Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, May is on our minds as we think about what's going on over in Bangkok. And so we just um, lift them up right now, Father. It's, um, it's the evening for them now. And I pray that they've had just been a great day, Father. I pray that her time with their parents and with their other siblings and family have been a, a great time, Father. But protect them. Give them wisdom to know what to do, Father, and guide them in that path and bring her back to us safe, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this day and, and what it means um, Pentecost, Father God, and just um, the coming of the Holy Spirit and how that empowers us to live um, a life of godliness and of holiness. And um, what a blessing the gift of the Holy Spirit is. May we um, walk in the fullness of that and um, receive all that um, is available for us um, through the Holy Spirit um, that was sent as a counselor and he's a comforter and he's a paraclete and he's our protector and um, he's, our, uh, he's our restrainer. Um, in our own personal lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that um, we don't have to be as the Israelites were and looking to one person who might have received a word from the Lord, but we personally can experience because you dwell inside of us. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray for um, this lesson, Lord. May the words that I speak be edifying and glorifying to you, Father. May they bring forth um, a harvest um, of abundance in people's lives, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, this is the last lesson on these three verses, and um, it's only taken us five months to do this. Um, I'm not ashamed, though. Um, uh, it's good stuff, and so I was going to, we're going to close out, we're just going to end up on the last section, and then I kind of want to do a little bit of a review um, for today. Um, and I'm just going to read, we'll read, I don't have it in the Amplified that I've been teaching from, but we'll just read it from here. From the ESV, but um, beginning with verse 3 um, of Titus 2, 3 through 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanders, not slaves to wine. They're to teach what is good. And so they're to train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husband, that the word of God may not be reviled. The Amplified talks about it being reviled or blasphemed, and the actual King James word is blasphemed, which I just love Greek words that um, are the same in English as they are in Greek, and um, blasphemio is what that means, and it is to speak reproach, revile at, um, uh, whatever that word, calamine lotion is what I think of when I see that word, but it means to make, I had to look it up, make false statements, I've never seen that word before, I know, so I had to look that word up, and it means to make false statements, blasphemed, to be evil spoken of, reviled, railed at. And is it not interesting? Um, I'm blessed to have a friend, Jen O'Neill, and she was being interviewed by um, Dennis Miller because it's the 40-year anniversary of the summer of 1942, which was a movie, you know, way before most of our times. But um, I remember it. Okay. Jen is a good friend of mine, and she starred in the summer of, of 42, and, and um, she was being interviewed. We were just talking yesterday about it and was being interviewed by Dennis Miller, and Dennis Miller is not a believer. And um, Jen was just telling about, she said, it's also funny, she's been married um, either eight or nine times. And she wrote an autobiography and sent it to Elizabeth Taylor. And Elizabeth Taylor responded back and said, Jen, we have so much in common. We don't date men, we marry them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so in that process, she was also sharing that she had had quite a few abortions and and, um, and just the shame and the guilt and, and that, you know, and, and she, and she, a lot, I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, in the sense of that's, that is based on her, um, her 
And her God is Jesus, of course, and she says there is only one way. But the big thing, we, we don't, if someone else doesn't feel guilt and shame about their abortion and they're not believers, then it's like there's a whole lot of bigger other things. We can't, like, force that on that. But, but we, have, we are free to be able to speak. You know, hey, this is what I feel about homosexuality. This is what I feel about abortion. This is what I feel about, you know, sex, drug, and rock and roll, whatever. We have that right to be able to speak that. Dennis Miller, not a Christian, says, isn't it interesting that and, um, in Hollywood you can be pretty much any other ism you want? And you're free to live that out, and they are excited about that, and they even promote it and you know, write up in People magazine and give you the website to go to for Scientology or whatever, you know, Kubala or whatever the latest craze is in, in spirituality and, and Hollywood. But if you say you're a Christian, I mean, you're blackballed. I mean, you can't even talk about it. It is reviled. It is pushback. Um, flipping through the channels yesterday uh, afternoon, um, there's a... It's funny, I only have basic cable, and, you know, it's only when I pull my cable out and plug it in, and, um, and I pulled it, I hadn't had it on for a while, and I pulled it out, and like two of my channels now are no longer there because you have to have the box, but anyways, so I'm slowly losing channels, I probably will just end up with nothing, which is fine, I mean, I don't need that many anyways, and, um, but it said on, they have, uh, it's like real criminal stories, but they have a, a, a real uh, author who writes, like Lee Childs, who writes mysteries was writing um was kind of hosting and narrating this and they were talking about madeline murrow madeline murrow o'hare who was the founder of the american atheist society and back in the 40s or 50s or whatever and just how um just to think that just 40 years ago she was the hated one i mean it was her murder that they were investigating it came to find out it had nothing to do it wasn't christians that hated her or whatever i mean it's totally money I mean, that was the whole point of, of why she was murdered and all that stuff. But that was just 40 years ago. She was the one being reviled. And then in one generation, it's turned around, and now it's the Christians that are being reviled. And um, you stand up and say any of those things. And this has happened, you know, because the younger women, the older women aren't teaching the younger women how to do these things. We're just not, and we're not living it out. And so Matthew Henry in his commentary, I, I, want, I put it all in here because I think it's worthy for you guys to have at home and to review again to think about it. In reference to this section in, in 2.5 and even this last part, that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemy, because it's credited. Failures in such relative duties, just basic common duties, this is just normal stuff. Failures in those duties would be greatly to the reproach of Christianity. And he quotes, that's okay. <laughs> Hope there's, hope there's not a problem. Um, and he quotes, what are, the, what are these the better for their new religion, unquote, would be the infidels be ready to say? And that's such a great question. Okay, so the question is, oh, did I not print it in your No. I guess I didn't. Okay, I meant to. What are these the better for this new religion? I mean, so the infidels are saying, I mean, because, you know, Matthew Henry wrote in the 1800s, you know, what, what's the point of this new religion if there's not transformation? I mean, who, I mean, what's the, you haven't, you're, you're, and actually your approach to Christianity, because you say you're supposed to be little Christians, you're new Christ, what's the change in you? And he says that, um, the word of God and the gospel of Christ are pure, excellent, and glorious in themselves, and their excellence should be expressed and shown in the lives and conduct of their professors, especially in relative duties. Failures, failures here bring disgrace. And Romans 2.24 says, the name of God is blasphemed, among the Gentiles because of you. And how often do we hear people say, 
um, and he claims to be a Christian. You know, they do something, you know, Joe Smo comes out that, it, you know, he sold $50, and he claims to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And the Christian, because we blaspheme the name of God by not having transformation in our lives. Um, he goes on and says, um, Judge what a God he is by these his servants, and what his word and doctrine and our religion are by these his followers. Listen to this quote that, I mean, Matthew Henry said. Christ would be wounded in the house of his friends. Christ is wounded in the house of his friends because those people who profess to be Christians are not living what would replicate little Christian lives, little Christ-likes. And he's wounded. He's being blasphemed. He's the one that's getting busted on. And we as Christians don't live transformed lives. Does that make sense? It's very um, convicting. Um, and even as, as I look over what, um, what we've taught on these past five months, um, and that's what, I mean, the lesson, what's the point if we're not transformed? I mean, what's the point of getting up on Sunday morning and putting hose on and, you know, praise the Lord, you know, Vicky's got hose on, but, you know, yeah, praise the Lord, I don't even, I think I own, like, two pair. I didn't even, I mean, I never wear hose and, you know, and. Well, I don't tan. So yeah, you I'm doing, <laughs> seriously, everything tans by my legs, so I'm doing uh, a favor. There you go. Thank you. And, um, but what's the point? I mean, what, I mean, let's do something else on Sunday morning. If we're going to be Christians and claim to be Christians, then let's start living lives that are transformed and that are different and radically different. And the, the interesting thing is it doesn't take much in our culture today to be that much radically. It's radical to them, but really it's just little things that we do along the way. And I mean, Absolutely. What you're saying, because that little phone call, I just got the voicemail, it relates to exactly what you're talking about. Do people ask you to pray for them? Does anybody ever ask you to do that? Because if they don't, you have to wonder, well, why? Because we are called, every single one of us are called to be intercessors. You know, and I never really understood that until just a few years ago when somebody said to me, you were all called to be partners with Christ as intercessors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I started to notice that nobody ever asked me to pray for them. Right, right. <laughs> well, how can I do that? So I just kind of realized that it's not that you constantly talk about it but you, you show something about your character that mm-hmm. makes people think that they can come to you mm-hmm. with a need. Right, mm-hmm. right. And they do, and that's what's, so, that's what's so awesome, is we can just live a lifestyle of Christian, uh, live a lifestyle that's different. You know, even just saying, hey, I'm, what did you do this weekend? I went to church, had a great time, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to go too. I mean, you know, you don't need to. <laughs> and, or even, hey, why don't you come with me next weekend? I mean, not even that. Because, again, it's like what Jen said about, um, you know, abortion. Until God, until they start feeling conviction, which the, it, that itself, it, you know, Christ, the, the Spirit came to convict the lost. That's what he came to do. It's not our job to convict. But we live a lot. How are you getting through this? How, you know, my, um, my, dad, my dad's prostate cancer is back, and he had a PET scan on Friday, and, you know, and, and he and I are not warriors. We're, you know... We leave that to the other folks in our family, you know. My stepmom is a worrier, and, you know, that's why she probably has other issues. And, you know, and Dad and I are just like, you know, okay, you know, we got an appointment on the 15 with Moffitt, and, I mean, it just, we don't worry about it. And part of it is is our reliance on Christ in the sense of, you know, well, what am I going to do about it anyways? Christ's got in control, and, you know, do I trust him or do I not trust him? And I can't do anything about it today, so let's go fishing. I mean, I mean that's kind of... <laughs> Um, and you live that life. And in that process, then when the crisis comes, 
because the crisis will come when the difficulty comes. And it's not going to be in the ease and breeze of life. And um, my, I was talking with some girls in the locker room this week about, um, uh, you know, you see people live, come to church, they raise their children in Christian schools and supposedly Christian family environment at home, and then, you know, kids move out, they quit going to church, and then, I mean, the kids quit, quits, the kids don't continue in their faith after college. And then the mom and dad quit going to church, and all of a sudden, they're just, that's no longer a part of their lifestyle. And you have to, what happened? What happened? And I think there wasn't true transformation is really what, it, ha, it has to have been. Because really, in so, I mean, I think that, my Lord will, I mean, God's, God's grace. I will never get to that point where it's like, you know, I never not not go to church on Sunday morning. That doesn't mean I always go, and I'm not legalistic. I guess the only time I don't, I not not go is when I'm on vacation, I don't go to church. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, and I think if I was on a seven-week vacation, I probably would be. Or, or when I go to Atlanta and go to church, I guess when I go to the beach, I don't go to church. Because it doesn't count to be at the beach if you can, you know, have to put makeup on every day. So <laughs> it doesn't count. And so, um, so anyways, we need to really look at our lives. And I thought, okay, let's look at, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 topics is what we've discussed in the past you know, five months, and how are we doing in those things? And um, it's just good barometers for us to go to this. Goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> the wife has crawled under the table now. Um, are good barometers of how we're doing. Let's just check on that. Number one, and this is what it goes, I mean, we go way back here, and I brought my lessons from before. Um, oh, before even we did that, I wanted to sit on... Um, the lesson, the very first lesson we did, Jennifer, I don't even know when you came in, but um, about older women and that we're the pinnacle of creation. Were you, were you here in January? That we're the pinnacle of creation. We were the final creation. And we're complex, way more complex beings than men. Not better or different or, I mean, just, I mean, different, but not better. We're just, we're, I mean, in some ways, I, sometimes I wish we were more like men in something, you know, because it's just, we're, no. Jen's never like, no. In most ways, I'm probably not, you know. Um, so, but I think that we hit on the two things that are challenges to women is we meddle and we can be weak-willed. And, um, and so how are we doing on our meddling? You know, are we, are we staying out of stuff and um, not worrying and trying to fix it? And that's hard, very hard. And especially when you get to that point where you can't fix it. You can't fix it. Um, again, my friend Melinda, who's the director of preschool, two of their, well, actually one of her employees and a main volunteer, both of them had major medical procedures on Friday, and and um, one's got a major heart issue, and then, and then the other girl has invasive stage two something something breast cancer, and um, they found us. It's already not only is it evasive, but they've seen it. They found a second marker on our second spot on on Friday, and you know, and so it just. And she's a fixer, and she just grieves because she can't fix it. She can't make it right. I have other friends that um, their mother, um, her mother-in-law is, is dying, and her father is, um, uh, her father-in-law, uh, you know, went to Harvard, was a Marine, that was ended up being, by the end of his career, was CEO of Saks Fifth Avenue, and, and, um, and Sue, his wife, is dying of cancer. And he can't fix it. 
I mean, he can't command the cancer cells to, <laughs> you know, respond appropriately to her as instruction. We've got a strategic plan here, and we're supposed to go to Australia in March. What is the deal? You know, this is not how it's supposed to happen. And so all that came. So, so the next, the very first main thing though is um, reverence. Reverence. Who are you reverencing? Who are you reverencing? And that um, reverence was a fear of, a, a worship of, um, respect, um, and it's an outward manifestation of this feeling of what that reverence is. And we need to reverence God. Um, above all else. Because there is, I fear God. Not His presence. But I fear Him. Does anybody have any thoughts or comments on that? I think we make a great, we make a grave, grievous mis- mistake in our Christian culture when we just see all we see God is is this benevolent, you know, all loving, you know, all grace, all mercy, God. And yes, <laughs> He's all that, but He's that super balance. But He's also the judging God. <clears throat> there is a wrath that's in God. I mean, and, and we've done it. We talked about this. I mean, Noah's Ark. I mean, it's like the you know, this is, we want to decorate, I mean, you know, if I've had kids, that's probably what I'd want to decorate the kids' room in is Noah's Ark theme. I mean, Noah's Ark, I mean, the flood was like God's greatest wrath, greatest judgment on the earth ever and will never, ever be repeated. It, and he said he'll never repeat it, so it's going to be even greater than the end times. That, the flood was greater than the end times, you know, because he just saved eight and the animals. And... um I mean, man, that's the God we serve. But praise the Lord for the blood of Christ and His benevolent nature. It's like that song by Addison Road, What mm-hmm. Do I Know of Holy? Yeah. You know, I think I made you too small. Mm-hmm. I never fear you at all. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're absolutely right that sometimes we over-sentimentalize and I think we get a little too familiar with God. He wants us to be intimate and close. But even with Moses, Moses couldn't even... Uh, stand, meaning that he would be able to live and survive seeing God's face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we want to get right up in his heart, which yeah. is what he wants, but how can we do that and live? Yes. Beth Moore said that. You know, I want you to slay me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to get so close if you just kill me. Right, right. And he's still the king. That's the thing. It's that fine balance and being the princess. And I always, this is what I always think. Always think. I've little John, little Jack Kennedy at his, the feet of his dad's office in the Oval Office. There's a picture of him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's yeah. sitting right there, and dad's, and that's, to, that's totally how it is. And if, you know, and if President Kennedy said, Jack, you know, go, you know, it wasn't Jack, what was his son's John, name? John. John. Okay. John John. John John, that's right. You know, and if he said, John John, go, John John would go. John John might cry, but uh, you know what? He's going, you know? But there's that intimacy. He's still the king. He's still the Lord. He's still righteous. He's still sovereign. You know, and he has the ability to do some things that are scary in some ways. You know, he's sitting at his feet, and was this during the Cuban Missile Crisis? You know, and that's that kind of a relationship that we need to have, that it is, you know, that childlike. Second thing, are you devout? Are you wholeheartedly serving God? Are you wholeheartedly serving God? You know, and I I think that, and especially because now it's interesting now for the first time in, 
14 years, I'm not working for a ministry. Now, because I have my own business, you know, so I'm, I got my business and I'm helping ministries do what they're supposed to do, but am I working, you know, for a minute? No, I'm not working for a ministry. You know, I'm helping, and because I'm also willing to do ministry organizations that aren't, you know, ministry focused. But um, it's a different, it's, it's put in that plan, my wholeheartedly serving God, because it was really easy for me to say, well, sure, 40 hours a week I'm working for God. But it really come down to him. I really serve him when I have, and it really has pushed forward something for me. And I've talked to Ellen about this before. It's just about even volunteering. You know, what am I volunteering? Am I volunteering? You know, was it just a check off for my ministry before? And I really want to be able to to volunteer. And so I'm working on doing that for sure. But wholehearted service for everywhere we're going. Are we serving God with our whole heart and giving Him everything that we have? And that's so important. So important. Um, and then this one, uh, sacred service. Do you really believe you are practicing a sacred service? Again, this, you know, Jennifer, as she teaches, and, and um, Vicki, as she sets up displays in Macy's, and, you know, Ellen does whatever she does. <laughs> I don't really know what she does. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. She can, put a, she can flap an Excel sheet together, though, so... <laughs> You know, but it's sacred service. This is holy service, and do we treat it that way and that we really see that we are in this time and this generation, you know, for, for this season to display and reflect who God is in our lives and what we do. Okay, now we're starting to get into some of the real stuff, you know, slander. Okay, is it a prayer request or is it slander? <laughs> I love that. And, man, because um, we can be so quick to... Um, to be slanderous and accuse falsely. Um, and that, that what it said, um, the Diablos was the Greek for that, which is devil. Diablos was the Greek for slander. And so one of the, it, metaphorically, it's applied to a man who, by opposing the cause of God, may be said to be to act the part of the devil or decide with him. So it is very much um, uh, malicious, um, and we talked about how do we avoid that. And number one thing is just don't talk so much. I mean, just don't talk so much. And, man, we can so get in, especially when we, in the culture and the environment that we live in, that we are. I mean, people are so quick to just, you know, talk bad about somebody. You know, let's talk good about people. I don't care what, what the situation is, and whether it's a sports figure, I mean, we'll bust on that, or, the, you know, I really struggle. And the Lord really convicted me when President Obama was elected in November of, of 05. It's like, I need to, was it 06? 06. Gosh, it seems like it's been forever. See? Obama. There you go. It no, it was 08. <laughs> Thank you. It seems like it. I know. <laughs> it's only been 18 months he's been in office. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're so quick to do that. We're going to quick, we're going to slam the Mexican president or we're going to slam Arizona, depending on what time, you, what side of the line you fall. I mean, you know, we're going to slam whatever actress is out there that, you know, John and Kate plus eight. We're going to hit Kate and we're going to hit John. And now I hear they're back together or something like that. I mean, you know, it's, oh, it's just, and then about in the office. I mean, what about, you know, you know, so anyways. I'm the world's worst on that with the with TV. Mm. You know, and I, here's how I justify it. Well, you know, I know better than they are, but I don't put myself on TV. Because <laughs> 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 I'm just like, I'm thinking, if you put yourself on TV, you're asking for it. And that's not right. Mm. 
No. I'm saying that by confession. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. -mm. And then it comes down to this person that we're talking to, are they part of the problem or are they part of the solution? You know? And if they're not, then we need to not talk to them. Man, that's... When you start putting those kind of standards, um, it really limits your conversation sometimes. <laughs> you know? And, then you just, and it's hard to just... Well, how do you get out of that situation? You're in the middle of it. You're, you know, you're at lunch or whatever, and they're all talking. I mean, it just... And I've just learned I just shut my mouth. Because I couldn't, I'd be too quick to judge, you know, because then I'm kind of like doing the same thing back at them kind of thing. But just just don't talk, you know, and Carol Lewis will tell you. She'll go off on starting to want to talk to somebody and it'd just be the two of us and I don't say anything. <laughs> Guard my tongue. Guard my tongue. Um, okay, um, next one is, is slaves to drink. And the question on that is just because you can does not mean, does not make it right. Does that make it right? Just because you can, does that make it right? Um, this is the lesson that convicted me to quit drinking. You know, not that I was a lush or, you know, probably had one glass of wine most a quarter. But, man, I did this, and it really convicted me. And I think it's interesting. I spoke to um, Kelly after I taught this lesson and just said, I mean, it was a tough lesson for me to teach. And, um, uh, and I shared with Kelly what I had shared and... and um, and pastor just that week had spoken to the deacon body and asked them to make a commitment to not drink. And, um, and that encouraged me. It blessed me. Because it makes us different. It just makes us different. Why don't you drink? Because my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, go right ahead. You drink. I'm not, nothing, no conviction on you. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to not go to dinner if somebody's drinking. I'm, you know, so. But I could see, for me personally, how it could really get into... I could get myself into trouble on that one, for sure. Um, next thing, give good counsel. Good counsel. Um, and then what is the plumb line of your counsel? What's the plumb line of your counsel? Of course, um, it has to be the Bible. It has to be the Bible. It has to be the plumb line. We have to know it well enough to know what the answer is in the Bible. And what does scripture say about that? What's the thoughts on that across the board? And then we really hit a lot on that about teaching and the role of women in teaching and, and what the role of women in church teaching. And that our actions need to speak so much louder than words. That was fun. That's when we talked about rash vows. In Numbers 30 where women can get out of the vows they make. Were you there for that Sunday, Ellen? Numbers 30, it talks, it says that um, if a woman makes a foolish vow, her husband or her, um, yeah, her husband or her father can get her out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, if a woman makes a foolish vow. Where is that? Numbers 30. The entire chapter of Numbers 30. I thought that was online because I don't think I was here for that. I don't, yeah, you, I don't think you were because we went to dinner a soon, like two weeks later or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you can go listen to yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's what I was talking about, women being pastors, and it's like, we don't, you know, we need that covering. And um, I, actually, it was one of the girls in the class. Um, uh, she was really struggling about a decision to make. Do I make, you know, do I do this or do I not do that? And she's married, and I said, well, what's your husband think? Oh, he thinks I need to not do it. I mean, <laughs> well, there you go. I, I know. And especially because you don't feel, you're not, 
It's not like you really want to do it and he doesn't want you to do it. I mean, it's such the, the, um, the blessing of submission. It's, the, that's what I, it's a blessing of submission to say, okay, well, then, okay, good. He's decided. Yeah. Whew! Okay. Um, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. And then what a, what, um, uh, what a blessing back to him to say, well, honey, whatever you think is best, I'm not going to do it if you think it's what you think is best. You know, that kind of puts some onus on him as well. You know, of, if I got to, you know, yeah, it makes him responsible. So, um, and the next, sane and sober of mind. This is where we started getting into what the older women are actually teaching the younger women. And I love it. It says, train the younger women to be sane and sober of mind. And, um, and that was, um, um, are you sane? That was the big question. And we talked about how people are just crazy today. I mean, we're crazy. I was crazy. That's why I kind of got mad because nobody taught my mama to be sane. And so mama didn't teach me to be sane. And so then I just did crazy things because nobody taught, taught any better or different. It gave me really the how to do it. You know, we had the rules, but not the do that. We talked about sane women. They grow in the knowledge of the Lord. They're diligent. That's when we started getting into TV and wasting our time in front of watching TV. Um, oh, I didn't print off the rest of these. That was one of my favorite lessons. I love that lesson. I actually taught it again to a maternity home ministry. Okay. I did about what we need to teach the young ones. So that one and what it looks like to be sane and not to be crazy mm-hmm. and not to be crazy. Then we spent about three weeks about how to love your husband. Um, and that was hard. And is your husband your friend? I mean, that's really the heart behind it. Is your husband your friend? Um, you know, the greatest commandment that, you know, when the, Jesus was asked about the you know, greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And, and then love your neighbors as yourself. Well, who's the closest neighbor? Not, I mean, if you're married, yeah. you've got about six inches separating between you and your closest neighbor. And how are you doing loving your neighbor? And, um, you know, I think we so often, well, I mean, we won't get into that, but um, such a, it's hard. And, what, and, we, and so we looked at Second Peter, or First Peter chapter 2 and 3, about um, where God kind of gives the outline of how a, a wife is to love her husband and they're to bear patiently with suffering. They're not to return insult with insult. They're to entrust themselves to the one who is faithful. That's God. You're not entrusting yourself to your husband to the one who's faithful. Submit to your husband. <laughs> tattle to Jesus. You know, don't tattle to your girlfriends. Tattle to Jesus. Reverence your husband. And then practice a gentle and peaceful spirit. And to be like Sarah. And that is, um, in the Amplified, it says to not be wrought up. And um, for wives, when husbands come or make decisions and, and, um, and they get all worked up about it. Oh, honey, we, you know, and all, you know, instead of just having a gentle and peaceful spirit, trusting God through your husband to work. Um, again, it builds him up. And we have so emasculated men. We really have. And... Um, we as women have done that, and they've freely accepted it, too. I mean, you know, men will automatically take the passive role. I mean, Adam was not deceived. He was, I just walked past somebody who was studying, and the book, it said, Silence of Adam. And I'm curious, and I want to ask him later what that meant. What, the silence of Adam, that's significant, significant. And that's, again, it goes back to we have the power of persuasion, power of influence. You know, we don't have the power of position, but good, it's gracious. Man, we've got um, 
you know, Adam left his God for his woman. Adam left his God for his woman. And so we've got great influence on the, the men in our life. Thanks, Vicki. Yeah, and I'll see you. At the, I'll meet you out in front of the corner bookstores Book after right. service. Yep. Okay. Nice to meet you. Um, anyways, and so we also talked about that so critical in the, you know, the boys in our lives, whether they're peers, um, whether they're supervisors, whether they're our nieces or our nephews, you know, man, to really champion to start making you know, decisions, especially with you, the wisdom to know how to continue as they get older, you know, letting them play that role, um, you know, in your life, which leads right into the next one is how to love your children. And are you making the children in your life disciples? Are we making the children in our life disciples? You know, Jennifer gets that every day, even though she doesn't have any kids. She gets every day, you know, to teach them about that. And then Ellen and I have the privilege to do that with, you know, those little cute boys that come into our lives. And what an opportunity. And they grow up. You know, months drag and years fly. And it's the truth. Um, man, I mean, how can it be? A friend of mine, um, well, Andrea, the boy's mom, she taught first grade for about five or six years before she, maybe not even that long, before she had boys. And um, that first graduating, that first first grade class she had is graduating from high school this year. And she, yeah, exactly. It's like, whoa. I mean, and it really, it just flew by. It just flew by. And now, and now they're, you know, men and women and going off and, you know, how are they doing? And she, she just actually went over a post recently on Facebook. She's so excited because one of the, the moms of one of the, one of her students works at Kohl's, and so when she goes to Kohl's, she just gets an update on what's happening in the boys' lives and stuff like that. So um, some of the practical steps we talked about with the, how to love the children is to give them a sense of destiny for their lives. Of course, that's my favorite one. I love to do that. And encourage them to stand alone against pressure and then saturate their minds with Scripture and memorization. You know, listen to the Word and, you know, pay them to memorize the Word. And um, so... And, of course, support him with fervent prayer. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous woman avails much. Elijah was a man just like you and just like me. He prayed for ten days, it didn't rain. Prayed for ten days, and it rained. I mean, that's what it says. That's what it says. Um, and then, the, um, again, getting down to nitty-gritty, you know, self-controlled. I mean, live in self-control. What areas do you need to demonstrate more self-control? And we talked about um, faith and family and friends and finances, fitness, and firm, you know. And that is, uh, I'm telling you, I can practice self-control and just about everything. My hardest thing is still fitness, you know, and eating right. I've got, it's, it seems like I can get the, either get the exercise good or the eating good. But for me to, like, get both of them, like, <laughs> tracking, it just, and I don't know why there's, I know partly this past two weeks my excuse is, you know, I cook ahead. Well, I cooked ahead in April, and I got so far ahead that I'm really kind of basically eating some of the same things in May that I had cooked in April, and I'm like, I am just over chicken tops, I mean, spinach top chicken, and the vegetables, I mean, I'm just over these five different meals that I've had, and it's like, I get another meatloaf, you know, so, but just practicing self-control, it's like, okay, I went to CeCe's Pizza last night, you know, so, cheap, easier, yeah, it is, I mean, you know, it's cheap, and it was, it's, how perfect. Bread and cheese. I get the yeah, white. Yeah. I mean, you know, Absolutely. and their salad bar is pretty decent. That really is a good salad, and I do get salad, you know. 
And then, of course, the dessert pizza is really what it's all about. You know, skip everything out to get the dessert pizza. Oh, self-control. Um, next was chased. Are you being chased or are you chasing? Because in our culture today, women are chasing. Women are chasing. Um, and that's so... Um, and that's where patience comes in. That goes back to how to love your husband to let him lead. You know, these girls are calling boys and asking them out for dates. And girls and boys, what are you talking about? Their adults are doing it. I mean, you know, and like you go on a date and the girls calling, sending a text or something or calling after the date. And I mean, that's not let them lead. Let them chase. And that's hard because we think, well, it's been, you know, 48 hours. You know, no. You know, if he's interested, what's the book? You know, he's not, he's really not. Yeah, the rules. That is a great book. That is a great book. Have you read that? No. Oh, It was written like in the eighties or something. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, I know. Yes. The rules of what we should be following to get a man. When it says, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I mean, they're appropriate things in the sense of what it is. It's like if he calls you on Friday at three o'clock to ask you out for dinner that night, you're not available. Yeah, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's things that my mother taught me yes. growing up. It's just that we and it's you get lost in what other people are doing, and, and it's not written from a Christian perspective. No, not at and all. It, not at all. Not at all. And and one of the things is you know don't fall you know don't follow up with them like crazy. You know, write them a note card. Maybe write, write a note to say thank, thank you, you for dinner. That's it. Don't say call me sometime. Don't yeah, me. here's my number. Thank you. I mean, this is really, I, I, I had forgotten about that. A friend of mine had given me that book called The Rules and, and, and read it a while back. And it really is, because in our culture today, man, you know, it is. And it was funny. I think it was Dr. Phil that um, there was this, like, 20-year-old guy, and he could never get a date. Or he'd get one date, and that was all. And so Dr. Phil said, so what do you do after the date? Well, I might send her a text. And then, like, within 48 hours, she's, like, contacted him, like, five times. And she's, like, you know, back off, you know, exactly, soccer. So, um, and, I mean, it's so important in that dating, because this is his best. This is when he's the best, and I often think about this, is that, you know, when men are hunting, you know, they'll send it that deer stand. Quiet, I mean, they'll do whatever it takes to get the deer. But then once the deer gets caught, I mean, they're buck wild. You know, who cares about noise? You know, we're shooting off firecrackers and, you know, but... It's the best you can get. Um, so being chased, and we talked about in our body, our mouth, our clothes, our eyes, what we look at. Um, you know, this poor, and I really, I feel sorry, and I thought, okay, when I was thinking about sharing this, I thought, okay, is this slander or, or what is, and I mean, I just really feel sorry for this girl. There was a girl running in Memorial Park, and um, I mean, she was worthy of being dressed like this, so that's always a bonus. But she was, I mean, she was probably six, she was probably, I bet you she was a model. And she had the perfect tan. And, um, but she had a, just a lime green sports bra. It was, you know, ten times brighter than, than, um, than even Ellen's jacket. And not that your jacket's that bright, but compared to the, well, we got black on, she's got white. I mean, <laughs> compared to what we got. And she had three-quarter length skin-tight um, running pants on. And it was, it was a good inch below her hip bone. And that's what she, that's all that she had on, and and now she was it was a body worthy of you know she'd worked hard on that body. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, girl, I mean, put even just even I just get a just cover this much yeah. up, you know, get it. And I just was like, gosh, 
you know, I'm sure she's getting hit on. But not by anybody that she would really probably want to take on to mom after a long time, you know? So, anyways. Um, and then next, the, the uh, I guess this was two weeks ago, we talked about homemakers, being keepers at home. And literally, um, uh, just how our culture has, you know, the statistics said in 2004, 70% of mothers with children that are 18 or younger work outside the home. And how you're able to be a, a keeper at home and work outside the home. Now, a lot of that single motherhood is kicking into that. And, you know, I'm not saying that just every woman that works is, you know, a heathen going straight to hell. I mean, there's different, but 70%. And, um, and that's hard. Um, who was I talking to? I can't remember. I was talking to somebody about this, that, and she said, you know, yeah, and I, I tried to do it, and I just couldn't do it. I was giving all of my emotional energy, all my love, not love necessarily, but just doing all my emotional energy and all my physical energy to work from 9 to 5. And I come home at 6 o'clock, and these kids want something from me. And you build resentments, and your gets heart gets hard to them, and forget about having a decent meal. We're just going to run through McDonald's because all I want to do is sit on the sofa. And watch TV and forget about sports games. And if so, we try and instead of giving them, giving them us, we give them little league baseball. And so we pick them up at daycare and change clothes in the car and run through the fast food drive-through and get McDonald's and play ball. Come home, throw them in the tub, fight because they're tired too. You're tired. You're fighting, giving them a bath, and you throw them in bed. Tough, tough, tough. Um, as opposed to. You know, and even 1950, 34% of the women worked, you know. And um, so just a huge, huge transformation. Um, that's what's happened. And for us as, as um, a single woman with no kids, you know, that um, our question is really our hospitality. And that's where I really want to be more faithful about opening my home. Because it forces us to do certain things too, you know. To paint the corner or hang the picture or whatever, and I have opened my home. I have a, um, I have a roommate, you know, so it's not hospitality, and it's perfect. She goes to, she does sit, and she's practicing for the bar, or taking tests for the bar. She goes, she's gone from nine to nine, you know. I go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock, so we never see each other, you know. But it sure does make me keep my home peaceful and clean and picked up and vacuumed and the dishes in the sink and all that stuff because I got somebody else that's there and I want it to be nice for her and. You know, keep the lights on kind of thing. So, anyways. But that is, I mean, so Ellen, you want to be more faithful about having folks in the house? Mm-hmm. Are you going to? or Well, you want to go to Colorado for the summer, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every people in that house. There you go. Exactly. You will be, yeah. And we're all invited anytime Absolutely. we want to come up there. Absolutely. So, um, then last week we talked about are you good and are you submitting and, um, are you practicing random acts of kindness? And sometimes the random acts of kindness is, and I really I was with Carol two days ago, and she just had a really, I mean, Friday just was, it started bad. But it was really great. Her grandson graduated from UT with honors and actually gave the commencement address. Oh, wow. And um, did a fantastic job. And But Johnny had chemo on Thursday, and then they had to, and Johnny went. To, with her for the graduation, and so and they were and drove to Austin, drove back in one day, and just you know, exhausting day. But then she, and she had things she had to do because she's actually in California today. She's speaking at Crystal Cathedral with the Schulers, um, 
at whatever time, California time, to, to both the services today. And so she had things she had to do, so I went with her. And she, and this, this is, so this is all getting to the random acts of kindness. There was this, the guy at the pharmacy, the pharmacist, I mean, he just, he, English was not his first language, and I don't think it was his second, third, or fourth language. I mean, he really struggled in communicating. And I think he understood really well, but to communicate the words mm -hmm. back, it was, and it was almost, I didn't, I thought about, you know, it, the nice thing to do is to go to the manager and say, you know, his name, you know, it didn't matter what his name was, you know, George was a really nice guy and a great, he seems very sweet, but you guys need to help him on this, mm -hmm. you know, because Carol's walking out and like, I'm going to go to Walmart, I'm not going here anymore, you know, so, our random acts of kindness. And then finally, we also talked about submitting to authority, and do we respond appropriately to your authority that you have in your life? And then we talked about if it's illegal or immoral, the answer is yes. Unless it's illegal or immoral. Sorry. Unless it's illegal or immoral. The answer is yes. Yes. And um, if it's not a covenant relationship, we can always leave. But if it is a covenant, if it's, if it is a covenant relationship, then that's a whole other story. Um, but if there are supervisors, then the answer is yes. Okay. Great. Be my pleasure. Now, on the back of your mind, you might be saying, I'm going to do this, but this is the last time I'm doing this, and the resume is being put together, and I'm leaving, which is fine as well. That's okay, but you don't fight against, and God will bless that. God will, it's amazing how he will be so faithful to bless those things when we submit to authority. So, are we transforming? Are we different? And are we making, and, and I do believe it is a difference, just, um, I, will, I, don't, I want to be just as transformed in 2010 as I was transformed in 1992 when I came to Christ. I want that kind of transformation. Because you know what? I got that much stuff. I haven't made it. I, have, I might still look, you know, I might be cleaned up and look good on the outside. But just this week, on Friday, I called a girlfriend. I said, she has no mercy. She's got less than me. And I said, girl, I need somebody to come and hold me accountable. Will you hold me accountable in certain areas of my life? And she said, I'll pray about it. And, you know, I'm like, Good. <laughs> Because cause it's, a th it's a big thing. Because I want her to be able to, you know. So. Anyway, so are we transforming? Is there any, and that's why I talked about, do you need accountability in these areas? Cause I don't know about for you guys, but for me, if I know I've because my word's important to me. And if somebody says, if I tell somebody I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And, and, and I know they're going to, and I know they're going to ask me if I did it. See, if I say it and I don't know that, you know. You know, Ellen said, yeah, I'm going to do that more often, but she knows I'm not going to ask her, or, you know, she hasn't asked me to ask her. So we, we, so we have to look. And, um, and then we also need to celebrate if we have seen growth in those areas, if we have been better about not slandering and submitting. and Let's champion those. You know, celebrate those. And don't just beat ourselves up all the time. So anyways, well, let's pray. And then um, we'll go, Lord, we love you, and I... Um, I thank you for this class, and um, Lord, just um, your word of God is so rich, Lord. Um, man, if we just took these, however, whatever the number was, 12, 13, 14 things that we talked about here, and we just took one a week for the next 14 weeks and worked on those, um, what kind of transformation we'd see in our own lives, just being mindful of, of it. So, Lord, I just pray that... Um, that we would do that, that we would respond, that we would feel your prick of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that, um, to do the right thing, and, um, and we would respond well to that. I pray for Jennifer this week and these last two weeks of school, Lord, especially as um, she pushes toward the end, Lord, and I just pray that you'll help her to be very efficient and effective in, 
And, um, and only have to go around this bus kind of once, Lord, so come next year. It won't be anywhere near as difficult as it, as it has been. Thank you for her faithfulness and her diligence in that. Pray for Ellen and what she has going on this week, and we know you'll be faithful um, to bless us. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.